This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of January 18th, 2016, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 309 of Defender Radio. I can't speak for every animal-loving man out there, but when I stand and take a look at a magazine rack, there isn't a lot for me. I love to cook and eat, but most of the magazines aren't appropriate for me as a vegan. I like to work out and lift weights, but I really don't want to flip through pages of testosterone-fueled rage. And pretty much every other lifestyle magazine for men really just tries to justify the stereotypical masculine status quo. And that's something I spend most of my time rallying against. And that's why I was so thrilled to learn about Compassionate Man magazine. As a vegan who has struggled with the realities of what modern cultures expects of a man, Nicholas Coughlin found a way to express himself and create a community for others. His young digital magazine, Compassionate Man, features lifestyle articles on a variety of topics, including cooking and recipes, exercise tips, diet, and he even has interviews with big names like Gene Bauer and Bob Barker. To talk more about this exciting new magazine and how he hopes to evolve the dialogue of how men view themselves, Nick joined Defender Radio. I'm curious a bit about how you came to start Compassionate Man, the online magazine, the blog, the whole the whole shindig. What was kind of the the push for you? I, I understand you've been vegan for some time. You've been involved with with wildlife welfare for some time. So, what was the the push forward for you? You know, I, I've been trying to figure out for a long time how I can be most effective, and I think a lot of people in in animal protection are asking themselves the same thing. Um, what happened uh, in in this case was it was about ten years ago, maybe a little more. I had a conversation with uh, an older gentleman, and he and I were both talking about how um, you know how we grew up loving animals, and and he said something that that caught my ear, uh, and that was that he he always felt like like that was kind of a girly thing. You know, he grew up not feeling all that supported in in his love for animals. And I thought, you know, in a lot of ways, I felt many similar things. And I grew up with a very supportive family, but j- just in general, um, in society, oftentimes men are, are, you know, we're not we're not necessarily encouraged to express feelings of, uh, you know, compassion toward animals. That's kind of just viewed as a girly thing and I thought how tragic you know there are, <laughs> that that that's just not right and I wanted to do something about it and I thought that this would be a good way to um, you know provide a, a platform and even a community um, and and hopefully eventually a movement where where we can inspire men to uh, you know follow that passion and and not be afraid to express their compassion and, and be kind gentle. Uh, beings. Uh, well, and it certainly is. I uh, I downloaded the first edition, and I've been following your blog, as you know, um, and it, it's a beautifully done uh, digital magazine. And, and this is meant as no disrespect to those who put a lot of effort into zines or uh, uh, blogs, and I myself as a bit of a blogger. 
uh, uh, recognizes, but it's it's got that very clear professional grade to it, in my opinion. Um, and you've got some excellent writers, including yourself. So how how are you approaching it from the standpoint of being a publisher slash editor? What's your 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 vision in terms of building out the editions and stuff? Well, first of all, thank you very much for your compliments. It means it means a lot. I think that that it's really important in this day and age when we've uh, um, we're such a heavy media centric uh, society, and it makes a big difference to have good design. I think, and um, and I credit that to a designer who I've hired in India um, to actually lay the lay the magazine out. I am a graphic designer by trade, but I uh, I didn't want to focus my time and energy on that. I wanted to focus on the content. Um, but but uh, you know, it's a digital platform that. Um, it can be difficult for people, especially if they don't have an iPad or a larger digital device. They're, you know, stuck looking at it on their phone. But, um, you know, this is really where I where I wanted to begin. I wanted to begin here at the digital platform because it's something that I can afford and I can do um, more or less on my own. Um, but ultimately, you know, my my long term goal is to have a <clears throat> an actual you know hard copy magazine. But you know, to get to that point, I really need to build this platform, build a following, uh, build a community, and be able to show, you know, investor to that that this is something that could that could work um, in a paper format as well. Absolutely, it's it's certainly. Uh, I I don't know if I mentioned to you, I was actually a journalist for uh, several years before I, I switched over to this side of uh, advocacy and uh, digital media stuff. Um, and uh, whenever we would pitch doing some kind of new product, even within we already have our circulation department set, the sales team is ready to go, but you still need to get the publisher and the shareholders to buy into it. And every time it's always a struggle to say, this is why we want to spend your money to do this, um, yeah, even though we've right. been successful in so many other things. So I certainly feel the, the pressure on you. And I think this really is a great way to do it because not only are you getting the really solid content, but as I said, you're getting that visual, which uh, uh, really pulls it all together, I think. Um, and, and in terms of your editorial content, there is a nice mix um, going through it. In the, the articles I read, it was uh, Bob Barker, uh, of course, one of the, mm -hmm. the most famous animal rights activists in the world. Um, he's yep. the uh, the cover story. You had a thing on nutrition uh, in terms of getting protein and whatnot, which I was emailing you about joking a, a little bit because I, I literally <laughs> had just gotten my order of vegan protein because um, yeah. I'm doing some strength training. Uh, so that one was kind yeah. of like, eh. but anyway, uh, no, and then there's thing on <laughs> running and there's a lot, a lot of discussion about what it means to be a vegan man and the way of thinking about things. So is that kind of what you're looking for that every issue to sort of have a little bit for everyone? Exactly. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I took a look before I was, um, you know, all in on this project before I just hundred percent decided, I just, I went out and I looked at some of the, the quote unquote men's magazines and I noticed some pretty, in my view, disturbing type articles, you know, how to it, just stuff that you wouldn't want your, your son to read. Um, and I thought that that was really unfortunate. I wanted to try to create a resource for good guys, not only guys, but, but women as well, people who are interested in these, um, these ideas in general, um, but really to, 
to have a, a wide variety of different things so that it's not just, um, you know, one topic, but have a wide variety of, of things that we discuss that might be of interest to people who are like-minded. And, and really, you know, I want to try to reach so much of what we do you know, on, in, in social media, and I'm there a lot, but so much of, so much of that is just preaching to the choir. And, and I struggle with that, you know, it's, it's, it's just a reality and on, on social media platforms. So often we're, we're just speaking to our own people. And what I wanted to do was try to create something that would have broad appeal, um, to people who aren't already hearing these messages. And, um, and so that's why I wanted to try to include a variety of different topics and, and um, you know, general categories in the magazine. Well, I think that's uh, uh, also a great way to segue into one of the blogs I really wanted to talk to you about. And this is the one um, my fiance had actually shared to me because it's something I talk about frequently. Um, and it's titled appropriately, Are You Preaching Compassion But Acting Like a Jerk? Yeah. Uh, and I love the picture that goes with it of someone screaming and punching through a laptop um, yeah. as I'm sitting behind my laptop. And um, <laughs> in it, you, you really kind of take a look at the anger that activists feel. And this is something I've talked about with psychologists on this program. I've talked about with other advocates. And everybody kind of has their own way of doing it. But the one thing that a lot of people who have been in the game for a long time or, or who have sort of that supporting education and experience like the psychologists or social workers say is you can't let this anger take over. But that really seems to be kind of a, a, a movement-wide issue. And you start out by saying that um, you felt that you were doing something really worthwhile. You say you were challenging the establishment. Mm -hmm. so at what point did you think to yourself, maybe this isn't the right way to do it, or maybe I'm not being as effective as I can be. Sure. Well, um, it took me a while. I have to be honest. I mean, I, I, I think that I was acting, um, in, in really not very effective way for a long, long time. And, and it's understandable. And I, I don't want to act as though, I don't want it to sound like I'm speaking down to people because this is something that I experienced and it was very real and I, and, and that pain that I was feeling was very real. And I know that that, you know, especially with people who are, who are newcomers to the movement are feeling really powerful, strong emotions. Um, and, and what I wanted to do was try to reach out to those people, those people who might, um, might be acting in ways that, that aren't necessarily, uh, very helpful. Um, and so I guess to answer your question, it took me a long time to realize that what I was doing was not very effective. I think that I had, you know, I, I had, and I had blocked a close cousin of mine because he and I would get into these raging arguments. Um, I was hearing things about other family members like uncles who, um, felt like, like I was, you know, over the edge. So I was hearing some things from other people about how they perceived me. And I thought, well, you know, if, if they, if they feel this way, I bet you a lot of other people are feeling this way too. And I bet you I'm turning a lot of people off to the messages of compassion, you know, and, and, 
it's it's interesting. If I'm acting this way, am I acting compassionately toward other people? Am I being patient and understanding and recognizing that everybody has to come to these these sorts of ideas really on their own? I mean, we can plant seeds, we can discuss the issue, but you know, pushing things on people generally isn't going to work. It's it's typically just going to push them away, or they're going to dig in their heels, and and you're not really going to get anywhere. So. You know, it took me a long time to realize that in that in that blog, I reference a couple books that I read. One is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, I think that every activist, I think that every human should read that book, but every certainly every activist. And um, uh, another book by Jerry Spence called How to Argue and Win Every Time. It's a beautiful book about life. Um, you know, it's got a it's got kind of a. a a funny title, but uh, I think once you get into the book a little bit, you'll realize that he's really, he's really talking about argument as, um, as, as really putting forth who we are in the world and the ideas that we have and how we can get along with people in constructive ways. And we all really need to try to become better advocates, better spokespeople for, for the animals. You know, that's the, we're, we're the ones they have. Excellent. And I also like uh, that you use the word rancor in that blog. It made me very happy. <laughs> um, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but... Will we be good to them? Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at gateswildlifecontrol.com or call 416-750-9453. Bearsmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At Bearsmart.com we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at Bearsmart.com. This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from Nicholas Coughlin, publisher and editor of the Compassionate Man magazine. I would like to take that notion, the, the concept of the anger um, that, that we all feel, it's, it's undeniable that those of us who, who watch the videos, read the blogs, uh, look at the stats, have the government arguments, uh, feel this kind of anger, frustration, and, and profound sadness. Um, and tie that into something else that I, I really enjoy that you've touched on in your blog and you've got a couple in your la uh, latest edition of the magazine is the, the how to identify manhood. Um, and I, I'm wondering if there's, there's crossover here. Uh, I myself uh, love my father very much. He was uh, an athlete, a boxer and a football player and um, very assertive in that way. And, and violence was part of the real world to him. You know, he grew up working with union guys on tracks in Winnipeg. 
um, in the in the fifties and sixties. So that's just the way life was. Yeah. And for me, I I spent a long time trying to do that, and it took me a long time um, and a lot of friendships and a marriage to figure out that's not who I am. Right. I I can't fake that because it simply isn't who I am. And it's okay to say violence and hatred abhors me. It, it upsets me. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering though, is there a level of crossover here because that's something I see and, and I kind of, I, I never know how to respond is the, I say, we need to preach compassion and they say, yeah, let's preach compassion and go shoot the hunters. And like I said, no, right. um, like it's, is there this cultural expectation that we need to be aggressive or, or violence? And does that then play, even though we're conscious about compassion and and conscious of suffering, does that sort of almost overshadow that at times? Do you think there is a crossover between those two types of issues? Well, I mean, it's a really good question, you know, and I don't know if I if I have the perfect answer for it. Um, I, I do think that anger is a natural human emotion, and I, I, I don't think that we... I don't think that it's necessarily a good idea to, um, you know, try to shut that off entirely. I mean, it, it's it's part of our it's part of the human experience. But I do think, um, you know, that as we mature, as we become a little bit wiser, um, we learn how to control those emotions to some degree and and kind of shift that energy into something that's more positive. Um, you know, I. I've said in, 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 in another interview um, that I don't pretend to be the ultimate authority on, on masculinity. I really don't. This, is, this, this venture in a lot of ways is my exploration as well of what it means to be a man. But I certainly, you know, the things, the things that really started to, to register with me was like when I heard, I don't know if you've got up there in Canada, if you've got the same commercials, TV commercials, like for, for Arby's where it says, we have the meats, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like it's it's and 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 that's that's supposed to be manly. It's just absolute caricature of masculinity, and I think that it's it's so sad to see this is this is what's being put out there. And I know that you've done a, quite a bit um, of critique on the media yourself, but this this is what's put out there um, for us to just ingest. And I think that we've got to do what we can to put more and more of what I'm putting out there here with, with Compassionate Man, where we're featuring guys like Gene Bauer and, and Bob Barkin. We've got some good ones coming up. Um, but we've got to push back against that idea. And I know I'm kind of wandering away from your original question, um, you know, where some of this stuff comes into play, you know, uh, your own feelings of anger and, and and, and growing up with your dad and all of that. But um, I'm not sure if I answered your question there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not exactly the, a yes, no question. So I think you did all right. Um, and then I, I think what needs to be addressed too, uh, uh, and again, I uh, when I was in, uh, involved as a journalist, I did a lot of crime reporting. Um, and, and so this is sort of a, an interesting one for me is uh, – masculinity as it relates to violence on the other side. Uh, so you and I can sit and sort of go back and forth on how cultural expectations may change the way we initially want to react to something as, as vegans, as animal rights people, etc. Um, but then when you look on the other side, 
And you've got trophy hunters and trappers who not only have generations of family and of their local culture telling them this is the right thing to do, it's a just thing to do. You then have all of popular media saying men live in the woods and they hunt and fish and do everything themselves. Um, so I, I sort of a two-parter here. One is the, do you think that's something that needs to be addressed in order for a movement involving compassion, whether the focus is fur or, or veganism or uh, uh, even just the, the treatment of domestic cats and dogs. And are you someone who buys into the concept of that violence inherently means something more about those people? Um, well, you know, I um, growing up in the upper Midwest... I mean, I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by that culture. Um, in fact, I have family members who, who, you know, it, it extended family members. My, my immediate family is very like-minded, but, but I have extended family members who, who feel very much what you just described, you know, this sort of, this sort of manly hunter, um, idea. And, yeah, that's that's something that we have to challenge. What I do, what I challenge us to do, however, is not to look at those people necessarily as the enemy. Because I I look at my relatives and I love them. I know that they're good people. I know that they have a good heart. Now they just have a different concept. They've been they've been raised to believe something completely different than I than I believe. But that doesn't mean that they can't change. I've I've protested the circus with with. Um, with a lifelong hunter because he recognized how, how wrong it was to enslave these animals the way, the way they do it in the circus. So I, and, and, you know, most of us used to support things that we no longer, no longer support. And so, yeah, people are growing up in these, in this culture that, that glorifies these activities, hunting and trapping and, 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 you know, paints this picture of the man, the manly man who does that sort of thing. But I think that that's, I think that that's beginning to change. And I think that this is just, you know, one more example of, of the change that's happening in our society. Um, and, you know, people realize that, that, that it doesn't have to be the way it's, that, that the way, you know, it was when they grew up. And something I, and again, I don't even know how to phrase this question. It's just bouncing around in my head, really. But talking, uh, I remember you see, uh, writing somewhere that 90% of your readership is uh, uh, women right now. And, and I come across this, the same thing. Um, the majority of my listeners, the majority of people who attend talks um, and our social media, it's, it is very heavily dominated by women. Is that something that will turn away men, do you think? And so that's why I'm having trouble with how the phrase is. But that fact, how does that play into our ability, uh, again, as advocates in the bigger picture, to send the message out to men? Um, like, is that something that we need to somehow find a way of addressing? Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. You know, I think I think that yeah, the, this movement. Um, I wouldn't say that it's numbers wise it's dominated by women. We but we have some some phenomenal men who are you know leaders of this movement as as well. But yeah, in terms of the numbers of people who support these ideas, yeah, it's 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 definitely women, and that's 
that's part of what prompted me to do this because I know, Michael, that there are countless men who feel the same way as you and I, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable expressing that. And because what I said, you know, early on, a lot of people think, a lot of guys think that this is kind of a girly or a sissy thing to do or believe. Um, even though they may have these these feelings deep inside their heart, even though they'll feel very uncomfortable when they see a video um, about, you know, uh, fur or about animal agriculture. We just have to create a space or a platform or an environment, a culture that, that's, that says, no, it's not a feminine thing. This is about being human. This is about, you know, real masculinity isn't about exploiting or hurting somebody who can't defend themselves. I mean, that's, that's what a wimp does. Uh, a real man is going to stick his neck out and defend when, when nobody else is doing that. And, um, and so I think that we need to just reframe this. I think that it, it's a fundamental reframing of masculinity. We need to show, you know, it's the guys who are out there defending the vulnerable, defending the weak, uh, defending the voiceless, who are, are, you know, in my view, those are the ones <laughs> who are real men. Those are the ones who I admire. And I think that if we can, you know, show that, and like I'm trying to do with this magazine, really celebrate those guys um, that might bring more people along and and say yeah uh, you know that's the way i feel too to learn more about compassionate man magazine or buy a subscription visit compassionateman.com and visit nick on facebook at compassionate man magazine that's the show for this week folks but before i go i quickly wanted to invite all of you to my upcoming webinar predatory media which takes place on January 28, 2016. Visit FurBearDefenders.com for details. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.